And now, live, it's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host, JT The Brick. All right, hour number two of the show. JT here at home today. I'm taking off tomorrow to see my family, my mom and dad. In Florida, and uh, my sons are back here. They'll be home from spring break, so we got it all covered. I will be back. Uh, my first show back will be March 14th, so I'm out of here for a little bit. Going to recharge, see my mom and dad, which is a massive priority in my life at their age, play some golf and see some friends and family out there in Florida, and looking forward to that. So my final hour for a little over a week here, if you want to get through, 702 365 9200 is what brought to you by our great friends at Grimaldi's. Best pizza I ever had. I wish I could bring it with me. I'll get good pizza in Florida, but nothing compares to Grimaldi's. Five locations in the Valley and home of the $50 gift card. And Bobby says we have a $50 gift card to give away today. But we only give them away to callers. We don't give them away to, we don't give them away to numbers like the caller number 11. I've been doing radio 25 years. I rarely do caller number 13 stuff unless it's tickets to a show and Bobby wants to keep the number down to five or six because we got to keep it going. So if you have anything to say on Marcus Allen, who joined us, Josh McDaniel's introductory to the world. I mean, he had this conference press conference here in Vegas and a lot of people saw it, but the combine was a big deal. We played that. And we'll talk to Vinny here coming up here in a little bit. You know, having Marcus on for almost 20 minutes is special to me because of his impact now going forward with the Raiders. Cliff Branch was his roommate. His first ever roommate was Cliff Branch. And Cliff is getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame this summer. I talked to Cliff's sister, Elaine, who accepted that honor at the NFL Honors. And she's so excited and appreciates the Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a great summer. We're going to have a lot of build up to Cliff. And then a lot of people are going to road trip to Canton and get an extra vacation out of that. Or, you know, the Raiders play on a Thursday there, remember. Thursday night in Canton. And then we'll have everybody there through the induction on Saturday, leaving on Sunday. So that's a, that's a mini vacation if you're going to Canton to watch the game, which you should. See Josh McDaniels make his debut. And then be in the crowd for Cliff Branch. I would recommend everybody go out and make a move and, and get a plane ticket now. You know, I'm flying tomorrow. I've been flying a lot lately. And the airports are starting to open up a bit. Still a mask mandate in the airports and on planes. But, you know, people are starting to get out and road trip again. My sons who are trying to go on spring break, it's the first time as parents. As parents, my wife and I are getting calls from our sons in college uh, kicking, kicking us around, asking us about spring break. And what are you going to do? They're 20 and 18. I, when I was 18 years old, I was at spring break in Fort Lauderdale. It was probably the wildest week of my life. So I can't tell my kids they can't go away. But times are different now. It's a little bit tougher to travel, a little bit more difficult. Look at gas prices. How's your gasoline tank look? If you want to drive from Oklahoma to a beach on the Gulf Coast, it costs a little bit of money. But I'm encouraging my kids to go on spring break. And I'll get to it later on this hour. But I spoke today at Cimarron High School this morning to the sports athletes in a gym with a bunch of kids there. It was a great turnout about my book, The Handoff. I was very inspired today. I woke up this morning knowing I was going to speak to a bunch of high school kids at a big, big high school about my book, and then I knew I was going to have Marcus Allen on the radio. So today I'm winning. Today I'm really blessed to have this job, and I really appreciate you listening 
and all of our partners here on Raider Nation Radio that step up and, and keep us on the radio. It means everything to us. We're still talking about the athletes around Ukraine, Russia, especially the Russian athletes who are now banned from pretty much every sport. Athletes won't compete against Russian athletes now. So imagine if you're a Russian athlete and you have great faith in your sport, in your teammates, and you can't play because of what's happening there. It's a massive story. There's nothing close to that story globally. And then you have the MLB lockout, which was a very negative story this week, which I'll talk about in le- at length a little bit later. I got a phone call last night from a caller in Lake Tahoe that I want to replay for about a minute, and it really showed how it's hitting baseball fans in the gut. But I'm excited to go out to the Combine in Indianapolis to talk to our teammate, Vinny Bonsignor, who not only covers the Raiders brilliantly, but he has more sources in the NFL than most, and he joins us here on the flagship. And Vinny, a big day. I know you asked a lot of questions to Josh McDaniels. Big picture first before I go individual topics. How do you think he pulled it off on the grand stage at the Combine? Yeah, um, I think he did great. And uh, I feel like he's, he's he, it feels like he's comfortable. Uh, his second go-around as a head coach. And what was really striking to me uh, today, um, whether it was when we talked to him, when he was at the podium, or when we talk to him off the side, the importance and premium he is putting on building personal relationships with players and reiterating the football part of it will come later. And I think that's a little bit of a departure from where he was 12 years ago with the Denver Broncos when he came into the situation thinking football, 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 and forgetting the element of human beings play the game of football, and you need to get build relationships with players before any of that happens. It led to his downfall in Denver. I think he is aware of that. And I don't think he's going to let that mistake be um, an uh, impediment this time around. I think he really understands it's important, first and foremost, with Derek Carr, I'm sure we'll get to him, building those personal relationships and then letting the football side of it take care of itself. Uh, Vinny, talk about building the staff and how detailed it was because you would think that some Patriot coaches – would be coming over, but the Patriot coaching staff has been purged the last five years. I mean, everybody's been purged from Belichick, so much so that Belichick's starting to get guys back who are fired. Matt Patricia, Joe Judge. So how many good coaches were there and available before Josh McDaniels had to look around the league and find Patrick Graham and coaches from other teams from around the league and maybe college to put the staff together? Yeah, and even in the case of Patrick Graham, he coached with the Patriots uh, prior to moving on Mm -hmm. to the Packers and then the New York Giants and the Miami Dolphins and then back to the Giants. So, um, you know, uh, there was still a connection there with the Patriots. One thing I've learned, um, especially with some of the good coaching and, you know, my history covering the Rams, obviously I covered Sean McVay, there was never a hesitancy to turn toward young up-and-coming coaches and give them uh, important voices in, in the entire process. And I think in the Patriots' case, they continually do that. And I, So when you, when you look at some of the coaches that McDaniels has brought in with the Raiders, a lot of them are on the younger side that weren't position, you know, they weren't coordinators necessarily in New England, but they were on the rise in that regard. Mick uh, Lombardi, um, who is now the offensive coordinator uh, under Josh McDaniels, a young and up-and-coming offensive mind uh, in the NFL. Um, so you're seeing, and, and that goes across the board from his you know, quarterback coach, wide receivers, there's a good blend of young, there's a good blend of up and coming, there's a, a good blend of uh, mixed in with that. 
with experience and, and uh, you know some veteran coaches. So I think he's done a good job so far on paper, of course, uh, of, of building a staff that has a lot of a lot of different elements, from youth to new ideas to some experience, and that's kind of a Patriots way. Um, if you look back at what the Patriots do on a year-to-year basis, it's always that sort of a balance because I think Bill Belichick respects and appreciates new ideas and new energy and new teaching methods um, and, and is able to take that and, and implement it in his program. I think Josh McDaniel is taking a page of that. Vinny Bonsignor, Raider Nation Radio, Las Vegas Review Journal. So what do you think could be a big difference between what was the last regime, Agrud and Basaccia, their communication with Mike Mayock, and what you've learned so far about Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler and how they're going to connect the entire building? Well, here's the thing that uh, I think is, is so different with the Raiders right now than it was, let's say, in 2019 uh, when, when Mike Mayock came aboard with John Gruden. Um, and even prior to that, you know, when, when it was John Gruden um, and, the, and the previous general manager uh, that, was, that was in place, there's no process of getting to know each other like there was in 2018 um, when, when John Gruden took over and then in 2019 when he brings in Mike Mack of the general manager and head coach getting to know one another, how each other ticks, a working relationship. That's already been built with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. They know each other going back to college. They were college football teammates uh, at John Carroll University. They've now worked together in Denver, New England, and now here with the Raiders. They know each other like the back of their hands. So that process is not, they don't even have to do any of that. It's hit the ground running, knowing how each other thinks, knowing how each other talks, the lingo, what they're looking for in particular players, how they scout players, their grading system. All of that um, has already been established, and it's, and it's deep. Uh, it's a deep connection there. So I think that expedites the process of now evaluating the team, looking at the draft, looking at free agency, so that it's not a step-by-step process. Most of that has already been taken care of. It could be all football at this point. Vinny Bonsignor is our guest. So how do you think he handled the Derek Carr questions? He's got a number of them, Andrew Siciliano, a lot of other beat reporters, national reporters asking him about that. Nothing's ever a guarantee in life, but it seems like Carr and McDaniels are on the same page and they'll be working together. What's the buzz like at the Combine with that question as everybody's asking it? Yeah, and, you know, he, he uh, Josh McDaniels did make it clear um, in no uncertain terms or about as clear as you can make it at this point, you know, sitting on the second day of March that Derek Carr will be the starting quarterback of the Raiders next year. I don't think that that's you know, necessarily uh, a big surprise or, or newsworthy, although in today's NFL, um, nothing surprises anybody. So, uh, so I guess declaring it uh, is a little bit of, uh, of news. But, you know, I go back to the conversation I had with Derek Carr on Friday of last week and how he and Josh kind of uh, alluded to it today and um, reiterated it today just about how they're getting to know each other, how they tick, how they think, how they look at things. And it's not just about football. That'll come. But the relationship between Josh McDaniels, when you think about Josh McDaniels, he's he's wearing a whole bunch of different hats, you know, as the head coach and as primarily the leader of a 53-man roster. But he also is the head of the offense. Uh, Everything from play scheming, designing, to play calling. And a function of that is the quarterback because that's who ultimately – paints that picture on the football field of taking everything that you've talked about right on down to whatever the play was in the, in the headset and now executing it on the field. That relationship 
between play caller, head coach, and quarterback is extremely important. And I think that they've already begun the process of getting to know each other as people first uh, and then, you know, uh, building from that point on. And so, I, you know, I know in Derek's case, he was excited and fired up. The minute Josh McDaniels' name was starting to be bandied about, um, you know, the sense that I got talking to people was that that really caught his attention. And so I think he's excited about the possibility of playing with Josh McDaniels, who's a renowned offensive mind uh, in this league and this new regime, nothing against the past regime whatsoever. But I think he's excited. I think Josh McDaniels is excited. And it'll be interesting to see in Josh McDaniels' hands and the way this team is now going to be run, if that could take Derek Carr to an even higher level and with them and with that, the Raiders as well. Wrapping up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, the Devontae Adams story, you're really good at this with your sources around the league. It's a Green Bay story on the franchise tag, most likely or not. Give the best-case scenario on how Devontae Adams can come to the Raiders, and I would assume it would only be if Aaron Rodgers left Green Bay because I can't imagine Devontae Adams leaving Green Bay if Aaron Rodgers signs that two-year deal. How do you see it? Yeah, I, I agree. And, um, you know, if they don't, if for whatever reason Aaron Rodgers, you know, when he when he finally declares to the world, you know, what his plans are, if it's I don't want to be here in Green Bay anymore, I'm either going to retire or please trade me. If that is that scenario that, that unfolds, if you're Devontae Adams, even if the Green Bay Packers are saying, you know, we're not he's not going anywhere because we have the franchise tag and we'll, we'll utilize it, I just don't know. Uh, how prudent that would be from the Packers' perspective if you have a disgruntled Devontae Adams. Because if you're Devontae Adams, you're starting to look at the calendar, too. You know, you're reaching 30 years old uh, or so, getting into that period of your career, where right now it's about legacy, right now it's about winning. Obviously, it's about money as well. He'll get his money one way or another. But if you're Devontae Adams, do you want to be stuck in Green Bay in a rebuild or an uncertain quarterback situation? So even if the Packers say right now, he's not going anywhere, I would think that Devontae would have something to say about that um, if it doesn't work out with the quarterback. I think he stays for sure if, if Aaron Rodgers stays and they work out a contract one way or another. Um, but if he doesn't, then that opens the door for a trade, and I think that that's where the Raiders and, and everyone else uh, would have to kick the tires on. And, and Derek Carr has made it abundantly clear, as has Devontae Adams, um, that they would love to or welcome a reunion. Now, that doesn't just happen out of thin air. A lot would have to happen for that to happen. But first and foremost, um, Aaron Rodgers has to declare what it is that he's actually going to do. And if it doesn't include going back to Green Bay, I think it bursts open a big door for Devontae Adams to move on from the Packers and potentially to Las Vegas with the Raiders. Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, last one, and thanks for being generous with your time. I know you're busy out at the Combine. Let's, ra- let's wrap it up with this. The, the Raiders draft. There's been Hunter Renthro, there's been Max Crosby, but there's also been Cleland Farrell and Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs. There's been some massive roller coaster up and downs here. Knowing now and getting to know Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, what are you expecting with this draft overall big picture when you look at a position group or what they're thinking? Because it's coming up here sooner than later, and it all starts at the Combine. I think what... what... I'm anticipating is that there's going to be more consensus. And I think with more consensus, there's going to be uh, maybe more prudence in who they pick 
uh, and how they go about it um, and some of the decision-making. There's been a few times over the years, and you just mentioned a whole bunch of names, uh, and a couple of those in particular that left some people scratching their heads on that's who the Raiders took in the first round with that pick in in that position in the round. Um, And sometimes you wonder, okay, you know, what was going on behind the scenes with John Gruden and Mike Mayock, and did they have to slug it out to get to that point? Was there all right, go ahead, pull the trigger. I'm not really in favor of it, but go ahead, you know, that type of thing. Um, and, and that could have led to some decisions that didn't work out. I think in this case, I'm not saying every decision is going to work out at all, but I think it's the Raiders are going to be in a better position to execute good decisions because I think you're going to have consensus between Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I think every decision that happens will be throughout through a consensus that is made. So by the time the decision gets made, it's not like somebody's just going in a direction that they want to go or are demanding to go, and it's it's a direction that they all agreed upon uh, prior to that decision being made. And I think that's going to lead to better decisions, especially with some of the bigger decisions uh, that have been made that didn't work out for the Raiders these last few years. They're going to be in a better position to execute um, choices that work out better than some of them have in the past. Thank you, Vinny. Have a great time out in Indianapolis. Look forward to seeing you when you get back. All right, JT, appreciate it. Appreciate you, Vinny Bonsignor. And you got a big-time NFL insider and Vegas beat writer out there grinding at the Combine. We appreciate him giving us a few minutes. And that's what he thought about the consensus and what's going to happen. If you've been listening to me 23 years with the team going on 24, I've liked all these GMs and coaches, and some of them have been really good to me and good friends, especially Coach Gruden and getting to know Rich Passaccia last year with all the TV interviews I did with them. You just wish these guys well. They change your life. You have unbelievable experience with with them, and then a new coach and GM come in. I mean, I, I will only say great things about Mike Mayock the rest of my life because I met Mike 10, 15 times, and every time it was a great experience with a good guy who was engaged with conversations with me on and off the air. Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be losses. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. You wish these guys the best. And I thought it flipped today. And maybe because I was streaming the Josh McDaniels interview on my phone. I was on my phone, and you could see everybody who's logging in and Raider fans, and, you know, when they press that they log in, a big heart emoji pops up. You know, and I don't know how many thousands of people were there logged in, but so many people were saying, our coach, let's get behind him. They were saying positive things. I mean, you got to be a pretty negative person to say this new head coach comes in, he's all in, and you're not behind him. Now, a year or two from now, you'll be able to evaluate him, you have your own opinions. But every time a new coach comes into this organization for a reason – In the past, the majority of the Raider fans get behind that coach. And it could be a prove-it job. could be a prove-it job. It could be a guy that you're not familiar with. Dennis Allen, Lane Kiffin. It could be a name you're more familiar with. Art Shell, Norv Turner, Josh McDaniels. It's all the same. You get behind the guys. You say, hey, man, this is important. I'm a Raider fan. I want to win. What can we do to help? How loud can we be at Allegiant Stadium? What can we do to get this program to where it needs to be? That's the way I look at it every offseason. They don't make any decision when it comes to football and run it by me. I just get behind it and hope for the best. And if it, if it changes, 
we all adjust here. And this is a big change. Last year, a lot happened. It was emotional. It was emotionally draining for many people. But the Raiders got to 10 wins. And they could have beat the team that represented the AFC in the Super Bowl. Now you bring in an offensive mind who's supposed to help take Derek Carr to the next level. Let's see if it happens. But the playbook should be rock solid. The defense is going to get tweaked. And a lot of the additions to this team and the subtractions, I'm fascinated by the potential subtractions. Who is Josh McDaniel and Dave Ziegler going to look at and say, you know, he played okay, but he doesn't fit our new system. Understand that? He's a good player. He did good things, but he doesn't fit what we want to do. And they don't give that guy a contract or they cut him, and they bring in someone they're more familiar with. We all know that's going to happen. The question is who stays and who's coming in, and how can the Raiders make an impact on the draft? 702-365-9200. We believe we gave you a lot of content today, everybody, to react to. My interview with Marcus Allen for 20 minutes and Vinny Bonsignor for about 15 from the Combine. I can't do any better than that. So we want to hear from you on your comments of what happened today, Marcus's conversation, and what you think Josh McDaniel said that moved you, that said, yeah, that's our coach. I like what he said. I like what he said about this position group or Derek Carr or the way he's building the staff. 702-365-9200. Also, I'm going to get into the uh, baseball lockout. Massive story. The MLB lockout. It shouldn't have a big effect on Vegas, except a lot of pro baseball players are coming home because they live and train in Vegas. Today is a, a sad day. We came to Florida to navigate or to negotiate for a, a fair collective bargaining agreement. Despite meeting daily while here in Florida, uh, there is still work that needs to be done. We are seeking improvements to our CBA because significant improvements are needed. We've made no mistake about that fact over the course of the last three or four years based on what we've seen on the field and off the field. JT, welcome back here on Raider Nation Radio on a glorious day here in Las Vegas. What a day. I was up early this morning, had the honor of speaking to the student-athletes in the gymnasium at Cimarron High School, which was really life-changing for me. It hasn't sunk in yet. And one of the teachers set it up, and my wife's a teacher, and I got a chance this morning to talk about my book, The Handoff. And I had a really good group of engaged basketball, football players, student-athletes, volleyball players, young boys and girls who showed me a lot of respect and listened uh, to my presentation on my book. And afterwards, it was so special when question and answer, and they came down and they took pictures with me. And a couple of these young student-athletes pulled me aside and asked great follow-up questions about connecting and how to connect with people and, hey, how to find your role in life if you don't know what you want to do initially. So I'm very inspired today. It was really cool to be in a high school and to sit with kids in a gymnasium, give a speech, and then have the feedback that I got from them after. It was so encouraging about what young people have to offer going forward, and I haven't had that for a while. I haven't been on a high school campus uh, giving my speech in quite some time with COVID and all the issues with wearing a mask. So it was a fun day today, and big show obviously today with our Marcus Allen interview as he will be the Grand Marshal at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway on Sunday. 
Baseball's in a lockout, and I've been talking about this all week, and this is my last show of the week. I'm going to see my parents in Florida. I'll be back a week from Monday. And the lockout was something that I hope didn't happen, but we all suspected it was. We were going to go through a lockout in baseball because they were so far apart on all of these issues. And after yesterday when they announced it, Rob Manford uh, came to the microphone, the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I think he's pretty tone deaf. I really do. He was smiling at times, at times laughing. Not to take that out of content. He was laughing at a reporter. It's his last time reporting on this issue. So I just didn't like it. I wanted to play some of it for you. Here's Rob Manford talking about why they couldn't come together on an agreement. The clubs and our owners fully understand just how important it is to our millions of fans that we get the game on the field as soon as possible. To that end, we want a bargain and we want an agreement with the Players Association as quickly as possible. This is after they gave their best last offer and the Players Association just couldn't do it. After there was so much promise on Monday night that it was going to get done and then Tuesday it just derailed and came off the tracks and the players are pretty bitter about it. Major League Baseball players really believe that they got screwed over and that the owners wanted to do this at the very end to send a message. More Rob Manfred, the commissioner, on the fact that it was a take-it-or-leave-it deal down the end. Maybe they can get it going again. Take-it-or-leave-it in a negotiation is not something um, that uh, I think is usually productive. I think always at the end, there's a little wiggle room somewhere, and um, I, I think that we like, to keep the idea um, that we're willing to go back to the table and figure out whether we can make an agreement. This is the same guy who didn't want to meet a month ago or so and never had any sense of urgency until the last days when the deadline was coming with this lockout. So I don't believe a word he says because they should have been working on this 16, 18 hours a day a month ago, and we wouldn't have missed any games. They would have banged out the deal. And Manfred always talks about the fans. I don't believe this. He talks about the concern he has for the fans. He's not really showing us that with the lockout. The concern about our fans is at the very top of our consideration list, followed closely by you know places like where we're standing, um, where people's livelihood depends on baseball, spring training baseball, and uh, certainly an important part of the calculus for us and for our owners. Pretty much all spring training will be wiped out. I mean, they'll need spring training if they're going to play. They're going to miss the first series, right, the first series, so we can go from 162 to 154 games. But we're all aware if they don't get a deal done, we're going to lose 30 games, 40 games, maybe go to 60 to 80. I don't know. I can't guess how many. But these businesses that are making money off of spring training, the hotels, the the bartenders, the people that park cars, everybody that, that counts on this money, They count on this money for their livelihood. This isn't spring training money that goes away that people don't count on. It's not vacation money for them. It's their livelihood to pay for their kids to go to school, to put groceries on the table, and the players and the owners can't come to an agreement. It's disturbing to me. One more from Rob Manford on the players here. At the end, he gets the players because he believes the players are making this more difficult and the owners have given up a lot. We did take a stab at some early negotiations. Throughout the five-year period, there was a lot of rhetoric about dissatisfaction with the deal that they made. A lot of the rhetoric was negative with respect to clubs, 
the commissioner's office, me, um, you know, that environment someone else created. And it's an environment in which it's tough to build bridges. Yeah, he just basically said they're having a tough time, the owners dealing with the players. And this labor dispute, they're going to scrap regular season games for the first time in 27 years. I got a kid who's 20 and 18. I mean, you're going far back when you're talking 27 years. Manfred said he is canceling the first two series of the season that was set to begin March 31st. So they dropped the schedule from 162, most likely to 156. And I think it's just going to go lower and lower from there. I normally don't do this, but last night on my Sirius XM show on Mad Dog Sports Radio, a caller called in, and I asked my producer to save the phone call because I think Matt in Lake Tahoe summed it up beautifully on how a lot of fans feel around the country today. Matt in Lake Tahoe, appreciate you waiting and calling back. How are you, Matt? Hey, JT, how you doing? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, I just uh, was super disappointed today when I found that out. Uh, I'm in the sports bar business, so mm-hmm. it affects us uh, as well, you know, throughout the summer. But I just wanted to mention, you were talking about people canceling their memberships and their subscriptions and whatnot. Like, earlier today when I found out they they were going to still have this lockout, I immediately called DirecTV, canceled all my subscriptions, which automatically renew. And we pay fifteen hundred per location, so wow. it's like I'm I'm over it, man. I was uh, super disappointed. I love baseball, been playing my whole life, still play, and uh, it's just. And then I, you know, go to tell people about it. Nobody cares, like no one's even talking about it. And I remember the '94 strike was much more of an impact worldwide, where people, I mean, not just the United States, but like. Everyone talked about it. It was huge news. And it wasn't even a big deal today besides, like, sports shows like you guys, you know. Like, no one really uh, cared about it. And that, that's sad. That's interesting. So when you t- hear from a caller like that who basically, and he owns a bunch of bars, so those subscription prices are very expensive to have baseball packages. Everybody needs it for business, and he canceled it all. And that was an interesting comment because I don't think you should boycott sports. I'm not into boycotting baseball. But what I am into doing is sending a message to Major League Baseball. Maybe that's the way you do it. You just don't get the baseball package or you don't buy the local baseball games and pay for that channel and send some type of message. I think what most people are going to do, if you go to 40 games a year, you'll go to 20. If you go to 20, maybe you'll go to 10. If you go to 10, maybe you'll go to 2. And that will affect the wallets of Major League Baseball owners but they make so much money with the television income that comes in and the new streaming rights and gambling and everything that's happening around these ballparks with beer and parking that it's hard to hurt these owners because the franchises continue to go up in value. And I understand the pain of the players. Players are in a rough spot. Not every player gets a $300 million deal, gets a $100 million contract. There's a lot of guys who are going to make the minimum salary, and they're going to miss game checks, and they're going to miss opportunities to put the ball in play and to get some base hits and to have stats because they're not going to play very long. You like to leave the game with some stats and some moments, and you can't do that while you're losing baseball games. What a disappointing week this was for Major League Baseball. I got to the point Monday night that I was very encouraged, and now as I sit here Wednesday afternoon, I'm not encouraged at all. I'm going to be off here for a little bit, and I hope when I come back it's resolved, but if it's not resolved, We'll have the NFL draft coming off the combine. We'll have the NBA coming into the NBA playoffs. 
We'll have UFC and boxing and so many other storylines to talk about here. Hockey with the Vegas Golden Knights. Baseball's losing out, and I think they finally know it. But the owners don't care enough to get this deal done. The players are really bitter about it. The players won, I believe, too much. They had a pretty good deal put in front of them, and they just couldn't close the deal. So a lot of kids are going to be affected, and it's going to affect the baseball economy. It would suck to be a baseball fan in a market that really needs baseball. Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Seattle, San Francisco, one of my favorite ballparks. Imagine walking by Oracle Stadium and seeing that place empty on a gorgeous 80-degree day in San Francisco right up against the water at McCovey Cove because billionaires can't get along with millionaires. Huge story this week here on Raider Nation Radio brought to you by our good friends at Modelo. I have a bucket of Modelo's Friday. I'm having one today. I'm on an early flight tomorrow to Florida, and I'll be back here in about 8 to 10 days, and we'll be ready to go again. Thanks to all of our proud partners, but especially this segment, Modelo, the fighting spirit. I love having a bucket of Modelo's. I will have several from Fort Myers all the way to Naples to the Seminole Hard Rock to Jupiter, Florida, and Miami. And we'll be back with some of the best radio shows we've ever done. JT, we continue on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. It's the flagship of the Silver and Black. Robin Leonard will look to his left. They drop the puck. It's a stalemate. Knights get it. And now it's over for sure. Vegas 3, San Jose 1. The 500th coaching victory in Pete DeBoer's NHL career. Dan Duba, who we had on the show yesterday. Come on, everybody. We're delivering. Marcus Allen today. Dan Duba yesterday. All the great guests we've had. Vinny Bonsignor, the Raider Insiders, as we are live on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Raider Nation Radio, 9.20 a.m. We always thank our proud partners, especially my good friends at AnyTiresPlus.com, located on the corner off of Lake Mead and Boulder Highway. Why pay $20 or $30 for a smog inspection when you only pay $5.95 at AnyTiresPlus? Right now, get $50 off any new set of four tires at AnyTiresPlus. 702-365-9200 as the Raiders are at the Combine, and you just heard some sound uh, from Vinny Bonsignor, and the goal coming back from break is the Golden Knights own San Jose, which is a good thing. We'll take a look at some of the goals early in the game and how they build momentum. Colasar early gives VGK a one nothing lead. Howden starts it out, maybe a three-on-one. Right side, Howden comes in with Colasar, got it to him, he scores! When they start off that fast and they're able to come out of the gate and score that quickly, they're a completely different team. They're an explosive, offensive-built team where multiple players can score multiple goals any given night, and they got to keep the momentum. After it was 1-1, Smith comes through to give Vegas the lead. Here's Marcia so cruising in to the middle. Smith scores! Another transition goal for the Knights. This time it's Marcheseau to Smith. 2-1 to one Vegas with six minutes to go in the second. 
fantastic puck passing on that play. Transition goals, very important for VGK, especially when they get back to full strength. Smith coming through again to put the game away up 3-1. Turns and puts it down the slot. Tipped in front, they score! Marcioso to Carlson. And the Knights take a 3-1 lead. Riley Smith at the side of the goal. Got the touch from Carlson. Puts it right into the get, into the open net. Vegas has a two-goal lead. You know, a lot of people speculating on the future of Riley Smith with having to have Stone come back and then, of course, paying for Jack Eichel. Smith's been here for a while, very productive player, and came through in a big way last night. And you got to count on Robin, uh, Robin Leonard in goal. He's got to stand on his head a few games here if this team's going to pick up momentum last night. It's in the corner again. Centering try, saved by Leonard. Quick stick in front. Reedy couldn't get it by. Now an empty net try, wide left from Marcia So. That's a good, that's a really big save for a goaltender who's as good as any goaltender when he's hot. And they got to get him peaking at the right time. Uh, Vegas wins. They're in a really good spot now, but they got to start accumulating wins here. This is the moment in the season right now. Golden Knights have 64 points. They're 20 points behind Colorado. Not two or three, 20. Colorado leading the Western Conference with 84 points. And then the drop-off is unbelievable. It goes from 84 all the way down to 70 with the St. Louis Blues along with Calgary. Minnesota's got 65. The Kings got 65. And even the Nashville Predators are tied with the Golden Knights with 64 points. So those are the elite teams. The elite teams, there's a few in the Eastern Conference. Carolina Hurricanes have 79 points. And the defending two-time cup champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning with 76 points on the year here. I'm one of the many who believe that this Vegas Golden Knight team should be the best team in hockey. Not one of the best teams. They should be the best team in hockey with their overall lineup and what they have. But it's only going to matter if this team is at 100%. 702-365-9200. We've been heavy on the combine. Heavy on the combine. When we come back, more on Aaron Rodgers. As his coach even says he doesn't want to annoy him. What happened to Aaron Rodgers? What is going on with him? Why is everybody walking on eggshells? Why doesn't he just take the money and play two more years and not be so dramatic? We wrap up the week next right here on Raider Nation Radio. While you're waiting for Aaron Rodgers to make his decision about his future and finalize that, how does that affect your other decisions for the organization going forward? Yeah, I think, you know, Obviously, everything around here kind of centers around the quarterback. That's kind of how we do things. So it's a big piece. It's a domino that um, kind of has to fall before we go down, you know, other avenues. So, um, so it's important, you know, as we go through this and the, the puzzle pieces that we got to make fit. I think so. Um, that's the first one to go. That's Brian Goodenkunst, who's the GM of the Packers. Everybody's afraid of Aaron Rodgers in that organization now. Everybody is in fear of Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers organization. They don't want to go near him. They want to leave him alone. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Remember, Brett Favre went through something similar. It was different, but similar on when we, he wanted to leave, unretire, come back or not. And then we find out today in Indianapolis, according to Rob Domotsky, who covers the Packers, he said head coach Matt LaFleur of the Packers won't blow up Aaron Rodgers' phone with calls, texts, emojis, 
and gifts telling his quarterback how much Green Bay wants him back. LaFleur knows Rodgers has plenty to ponder. Quote, I told him I don't want to be overbearing and tell him every day how much we love him and how much we want him back. He said that today at the Combine. So we just want to be respectful of his space and allow him to think through everything clearly without being more annoying, I guess. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing at the highest level of the NFL that the GM, the coach, and half the players are afraid of Aaron Rodgers, who goes on yoga cleanses, disappears, falls in and out of love with all these women who he breaks up with and has has to start over again. And now the coach doesn't want to send him emojis because he doesn't want to annoy him too much. When did this guy's ego get to this level? Look at Derek Carr and what he does in his off time. And look, look at the way Derek Carr behaves compared to Aaron Rodgers. Look at the way some of these other quarterbacks. Can you imagine Joe Montana? Now, Joe Montana didn't live in the era of emojis and social media. Tom Brady didn't do anything. He just went to work. Aaron Rodgers didn't win a playoff game last year. They were the number one seed in the NFC, home field throughout, and he didn't win. He lost right out of the gate to the 49ers. And he wants everybody to bow down at his altar, kiss his ass, tell him how great he is. I thought the GM yesterday, Brian Goodenkurtz, when he was asked about him, laughed when he said no one's called. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to react to that. A reporter asked him, and we don't have the sound of the reporter asking him, but the reporter basically asked, have you gotten any calls from other teams? And the GM started laughing and said, not one. Not one. And it's a big topic in the Raider Nation. I know I've been talking about it a lot, but as you just heard, the dominoes fall if Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay and goes to Denver. Then it changes everything in the AFC West. Not that there are any gimme wins for the Raiders on the schedule. You know, Jacksonville's on the schedule. You look at teams you're supposed to beat. Let me tell you something. Denver, the Raiders have been feasting on the last two years. I believe that Vic Fangio got fired because of the Raiders. He couldn't beat the Raiders in back-to-back years, 0-4. That got his ass fired. Not the fact that he split with Kansas City or lost to Kansas City. Denver hates the Raiders. And Fangio's a pretty good coach, but he couldn't beat the Raiders, so he's out. You bring in Aaron Rodgers, it changes everything. So maybe we're looking at a division with just Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Derek Carr. But if you throw in Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs. There is no debate that he's better than Patrick Mahomes right now. And Patrick Mahomes kicked the Raiders' ass twice last year. And we know how good Justin Herbert is. So the Rodgers story, this story's got to be put to bed here by the time I get back from my trip. I would hope here in the next week or two, Aaron Rodgers agrees to terms. He stays in Green Bay. And we, got, we don't got to worry about him in the AFC West. He just stays there. And then the Raiders can go after Devontae Adams or not. Thanks to Bobby for producing the show. Marcus Allen, if you missed that interview, I'm sure the Raiders are going to put that out at Raiders.com in a podcast. And thanks to Vinny Bonson, you're live from the Combine. I'll be back on the radio March 14th, everybody. Until then, thanks for listening. And thanks to all of our partners and everybody at Lotus Broadcasting. First time coming up for air after that long, long season, which was very fulfilling on a lot of fronts. But now we recharge and get ready for the NFL Draft, which is going to be one of the best sporting events in the history of Las Vegas. Have a good one, everybody. Thanks for listening. Cues on deck.